Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, today's episode is all about how an act of kindness led to one of the most amazingly shocking surprises of my life and the return of a bracelet from the past. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle, with over a million downloads and counting. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor, and I am so glad to be here with you again. I can't wait for you to hear this very personal story and meet the special guest who was instrumental and one of the biggest and most meaningful surprises of my life. You may recall I hinted about this surprise in episode 264, The Power of Shocking Surprises in Midlife. In that episode, I talked about four huge surprises in my life in the last nine years since I turned 50. In that episode, I talked about the layoff surprise, the MoMA surprise, the Joan London surprise, and the Woman's World Magazine surprise. Today's episode is about surprise number five. This one was so big and so shocking that it needed its own episode. (laughs) Just like the other surprises, however, you would never see this coming. I couldn't have even dreamed it up. There's no way. In fact, the surprise we're going to tell you about today was approximately 70 years in the making. I'm calling this episode The Bracelet, Kindness, and a 70-Year Journey, a Shocking Midlife Surprise. Today's surprise has to do with a significant part of my past. You may know I lost my birth mother in 1968 when I was five years old and my sister was two and a half. My mother was only 32. She grew up in Rhode Island and loved spending time at the beaches. From what I can gather, this is a pretty typical thing in Rhode Island. Like so many others who lost their parents at a young age, I don't have much that was actually from my mother or even know that much about her. Losing a parent so young, I only have a few memories, and at this point, most people who knew her personally have also passed. I've done what I could over the years to glean and gather every bit of information I could, though, that's for sure. People in my situation typically crave any information that helps them fill in some blanks about the early parts of their lives, and with every passing year, it seems less and less likely to find out anything new. The surprise I'm going to share today turns that idea upside down. It's a reminder that you never know what may still happen in your life, no matter your age, even in midlife, even after 50. There's plenty of time left for shocking surprises. Today, you're going to meet my incredibly special guest whose name is Lisa. She's from New York, and without her kindness and sensitivity, this story would have never happened just a few months ago in June 2022. I'm beyond grateful that she's come into my life, did what she did, and agreed to come on the podcast and share this whole story with you. You'll hear about Lisa's father's passion of collecting things on the beach. You'll hear about what he found and what he did with what he found. You'll hear about how that passion ended up involving Lisa. And then finally, you'll hear about how that passion connected me to Lisa. You're going to love hearing this unbelievable story. and. 
I'm so glad you're here with me right now listening to the podcast because I know it will touch you at a deep level. Get ready for goosebumps and maybe even a tear or two. I'm just saying. (laughs) Please enjoy this incredibly special episode. Hi, Lisa. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Women in the Middle podcast. Hi, Susie. I'm so happy to be here with you. Wow, this is a different episode, and you are the most unique guest I've ever had, I have to say. (laughs) Elisa and I met online about two months ago and are only meeting in person today for the first time. We're going to share the story of how and why the universe brought us together in a very unusual, unexpected, and meaningful way, and quite frankly, in a highly unlikely way, too, that happened bit by bit over a period of about 70 years. So I want to get this party started. And I thought, Lisa, I think the best way is we'll roll out our part of the story um, and then we'll fill in more context as we go. So I thought it'd be great to start with you telling us a little bit about your dad, because your dad is a major player in our story of why we're here together today and his passion. Yes. So my dad has since childhood had collected coins. He loved getting every coin from every year, different, you know, different mints. You have to have the Denver mint, Philly mint. Um, So as a child and young man, he collected coin after coin. I was never allowed to spend a wheat penny. We had to save those because they were (laughs) worth fraction more than a penny. So I have quite a few of those right now. And when he retired uh, in the late 1980s, he got a a metal detector because he really wanted to look for some, you know, for him, buried treasure, which would be old and rare coins. So he uh, alone or sometimes with a friend with the same interests would go to different parks and beaches, mostly in Rhode Island, where I grew up and search for coins. He'd have his metal detector and a little trowel. And he, when it went off, he would dig for it. And whatever he found, he took home. So he did find a lot of coins. Many of them were just worth their face value. Um, and he'd clean them up in a rock tumbler. And, and he always would use those in the toll booths. So there were toll booths filled with grimy looking, <laughs> very dark, can barely read, but the machine would register them as a quarter or a dime or whatever. Um, and he would separate out anything that he thought was valuable and he'd put them in the little little cardboard containers. Um, and if he found something that wasn't a coin, he just threw it in a box. Um, and actually a few boxes. He had one for tokens and one for foreign coins. And then he had one for just miscellaneous. And his interest was solely on the coins. And if he found anything else, uh, it went into one of the other boxes. Um, He passed away in 2008, but he spent a good, you know, certainly 20 years on this hobby, leaving behind a lot of coins in different states, different condition, and um, and then a few boxes of, of other things. I love how organized he was. You know, it's reminding me of my uncle who passed recently in Rhode Island. And he he was in the Navy in World War II, and he had so much memorabilia, and he had it so organized. And any trip he went on was so organized, the photos and the labels. And, and his basement was, I've never seen a basement like his basement, the way everything was organized. So I'm just imagining 
your dad walking on the beach, just being so patient and like really enjoying the hunt for the treasure. Like, do you remember going with him ever as a kid? I didn't go on these trips with him. I did watch him, you know, he'd test it out. He he had a few different metal detectors over the years. <laughs> of course. He explain <laughs> what this meter does and what this tells you what kind of metal it is. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't have an interest in that, but I was definitely there when he would get it set up and ready to go. You know, my mom passed away when I was young, when I was seven, but my dad remarried when I was 10 and my stepmom also was not interested in hunting for coins, but she was always holding out hope that my dad would find a diamond bracelet or something really that would be meaningful for her. And that that didn't happen. He did find some, some coins that were meaningful to him. I think the m- most interesting for me was he found a piece of eight, which is a gold coin from hundreds of years ago when sailors would clip a little piece of the gold off the coin to pay for something. Um, wow if they weren't spending the whole value. So that to me was the most interesting coin. Um, wow. I don't know anything about this. That's fascinating. Uh, but he loved any, anything that was a little rare or he, 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 they were all meaningful for him. So did you, um, you weren't allowed to touch any of it, I guess, but what, what was going on in those miscellaneous boxes? Well, a lot of it looked pretty dirty. <laughs> I have to say, still kind of dirt covered because the coins got special treatment. They went through a rock tumbler or were polished if they were very special. And the other stuff was still kind of dirty. So um, I would look sometimes, but I, I didn't dig through it all. It was labeled, the, you know, here are the tokens for, for games at the carnival and here, you know, this and that. Um, but then after... My dad passed away a few years later. My stepmom moved to a, a different condo and she said, here are all the coins from your dad. Here you go. So I have. <laughs> and then I started to look through the boxes because they're like, I can't I can't just keep these boxes as is. My dad had them very organized in the basement, like your uncle labeled and stacked often uh, using old empty cigar boxes. I was, oh, boxes. You just read my mind as you were describing the boxes. My grandfather from Connecticut. Uh, And my grandmother had stamp collections and they were always in cigar boxes. And in fact, I have one of those cigar boxes even today. And I keep some um, calligraphy and stamping supplies in there, like stamping, not stamps. But I did inherit that stamp collection. And I do remember keeping things in cigar boxes. And just I honestly had the thought right when you said that. That's amazing. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, it's it's useful and you recycle. It was the mentality. He was born in 1920. So child of the Depression. He also kept those Maxwell House coffee cans with the plastic lid. Those had <laughs> rubber bands and whatnot in them. So very organized as well. So then after I I owned all of these items, I started to look through the box with uh, the jewelry in it. And no, there was nothing, no, no diamonds to my stepmom's dismay, but <laughs> there were a lot of actually religious medals, uh, not med- not the fancy ones, but like a little charm. Hmm. Maybe it was pinned on someone or maybe you gave it to your, your girlfriend or wife when you were going off. I'm not sure, but there were, there seemed to be several religious uh, little charms, some silver rings. Um, but among them, I found something very special. And it's, um, was a bracelet and the bracelet had a name engraved on one side. It was the kind of bracelet 
my stepmom, when I told her, she said, oh, when I was, she's 89. She said, when I was in high school, those were so popular. They're ID bracelets with uh, sort of a bar, usually silver, silver plated. And you'd have your name engraved on one side and maybe something else on the back, maybe a date or, or an event or a place. And she begged her father for one. And he said, no, they're expensive. And then two weeks later, he came home with one for her. She's she's since lost that one too many years ago. So maybe something about the clasp. I don't know. I think the clasp wasn't good. (laughs) It wasn't good, but I found one that had a name on it. And it was your mom's name from when she was a teenager during the era. So I had it and I couldn't. I didn't have a problem throwing away the old tokens and game slugs, but it's like, I can't just throw away something that might have sentimental value to someone. And so that's when I started to see if I could find who she was. I didn't know anything about her. Oh my God. I just can't believe you (laughs) on so many levels. I am. uh, So you're sitting there in with all this Probably stinky, oh. dirty stuff. Yes, yes. <laughs> broken, <laughs> bits and- broken bits with crud and sand. Yes. And, and there's this little ID bracelet that caught your attention. And you were curious enough to start searching online to figure out who she was. I did. And I started, a, I just searched online and there was one match for her name because it was her, her maiden name, but it was her full name, including her middle initial. Sandra E. Senders. Correct. The only Sandra E. Senders. It was your mom. And you had set up a genealogy page for her. And that was the hit. It was it led me to the this particular genealogy site. And that's where I read that your mom died as a a young mom many years ago. 1968. Yeah. And that she left children behind. And well, then I wasn't going to give up on on contacting you because, as I mentioned, my mom died when I was young. And- I, can't, I can't believe this. Like who not everybody would care about finding uh, first of all, looking through a box of stinky stuff, you know, <laughs> cruddy little stinky stuff. But you experienced, you know, something very similar to what I experienced and you found it and you were motivated enough to figure out more of the puzzle. You know, I started that genealogy site, I think in the early nineties and I've been fascinated by genealogy for decades. And, and because of early parental death, uh, my father also passed young and, and he was adopted. So we had some little um, issues with straightforward genealogy. And what what happened with that genie site was really great because this was, I think it was even before Ancestry. And really the main goal of it was to just invite other family members to to help you build the tree. And I found that it was very, very useful to identify photographs and things like that. And it's really grown over the years and people have collaborated to try to date and identify people in photographs and things like that. And the irony is it never even occurred to me that that would be searchable on Google. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, right. I found it without even knowing of the site. I wasn't a member. Wow. I didn't and there, there was her name. So I was able to, so then I, you know, logged in, made in a login and 
I guess about, I guess it was during the summer of COVID when we all had time on our hands. I, <laughs> I sent a note uh, through the genealogy site to you, but it, it didn't get there. Maybe it went to spam. We don't know, but I didn't get an answer. Oh, it's just killing me to know that you did this and I didn't know about it. (laughs) And, you know, and so I still, but that I I still wasn't willing to throw it away because, well, I'll just try again. And then I put it away, not it, but not in the box in a, in a drawer. (laughs) When I have time to, maybe there's a different way to to reach her. I'll, I'll investigate another time. And so this summer um, I had some time and I took it out and tried again. And the only hit again was, the same genealogy site. So I wrote a second note. Um, I think I may have included your sister on that note. I think I did find, I'm not sure, maybe somebody else. And um, yeah, I think it was, I think it was somebody else who got involved in managing part of the site, some other okay. family members. Yeah. Cause okay. my sister didn't know about it, but um, okay. I was just seeing if I could reach somebody. Yes. So you smart. responded right away. Oh, like, of course. <laughs> I don't know what happened to that other that other note. I I mean, of the Internet. Who knows? <laughs> would you mind reading the note? Uh, no problem. So I wrote this is the note from a few months ago. Hi there. We are not related, but this site led me to you. My dad loved to collect things he found in the ground with a metal detector. He was a coin collector at heart, but he saved everything. I was looking through some of his miscellaneous bins and found a small bracelet with the name Sandra E. Senders on the front and June 1951 on the back. It's a simple silver name bar with only half the chain remaining, so it has little monetary value, but I thought it might have sentimental value to you or someone in your family. I learned from looking for Sandra online that she died at a young age. My own mom died when I was a child, and I know I covet the few trinkets I have from her. I realize you may already have what you want. So if you're not interested in this, just say so. But I would be happy to put it in the mail to you if you would like to have it. The postage is on me. My dad lived in Rhode Island and found it somewhere in the state. She is the only Sandra E. Senders I could find. So I suspect it was hers. And then I wrote, have a great day. Have a great day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, my head exploded. So here's what happened at my end. I see the ping or the message. And I'm like, what is this? And right away, of course, I assumed it was a long lost relative. (laughs) And I thought that was brilliant that you started out by saying that we're not related. So what I said was, first of all, I'm, I I think the look on my face, I would have paid money to see the look on my face. Read. I was sitting in this chair where I am right now. And, and I was just like, my jaw dropped. I was stunned. I I couldn't even read your note. (laughs) Like it was, It was just a blur. So I wrote, it's her for sure. She was born and lived in Rhode Island for most of her life. She spent a lot of time on beaches there. This is just unbelievable. Thank you so very much from the bottom of my heart. I have a sister who moved to Rhode Island a few years ago. She now goes to those same beaches. Again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And you know, it was truly unbelievable. Truly, Mm. like from my perspective, and as you know, both losing mothers at such a young age, we have so little. Yes, we do. We do. Um, and I was so glad that you were so excited to get it because I, I would have, I would have been. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, and one of the things that, um, that I've done over the years, because we have so little 
and I don't know, maybe you've done this too, but I've reached out to people that knew them when they were young. Mm -hmm. So my dad uh, went to Yale and I remember reaching out to the secretary of their graduating class. And I asked, this was before internet. It was like in the, it must've, I don't remember when, but it was before internet. So it must've been in the nine, early nineties. And uh, we had email of course. And, and I asked if something could be posted on in a newsletter, if anybody had memories of my dad to please share them with me and three or four, you know, men in their seventies at that time wrote me letters with pretty clear memories. And then with my mom, my auntie who li- who lived in Rhode Island, um, she put me in touch with one of my mother's close friends. And that um, woman sent me a beautiful letter and pictures I had never seen and shared stories that I didn't know. And I just think that was such a, because we have so little, we're so desperate for little bits. And this, this bracelet is a little bit, you yeah, know? And it, we have so little that was personal or unique to to them you know it's like different from the you know the the silver <laughs> which doesn't have any personal meaning for me even though it belonged belonged to her and my dad but uh, you know just the i i have over the years i when i was a child uh, i used to go into my my dad and then my dad and stepmom's walk-in closet when they were not you know there on that same floor uh, because i had discovered um, my mom's high school high school yearbook was mm-hmm. up on a shelf there and I used to go and just look at the pictures of her and read her what her friends wrote. And I, they didn't know I even knew it was there. I realized when I was an adult and they moved and I asked, oh, what did you do with the yearbook? And they said they threw it away because <gasps> they didn't even know. They didn't know I would care. They didn't know I knew it was there. We had never talked about it. And I don't it was like my sort of secret you know, I'd, I'd sort of not only sneak, you know, but I'd go in and look at it and put it back. And it was just sort of my special play. You know, I didn't even think to ask for it. Uh, Isn't that they- interesting? Because I find that, um, were you afraid to tell them that you like, were you comfortable talking about your mom? Uh, yes and no. Um, you know, they, my, my dad would talk about her, my, my grandma, her mom would mm-hmm, talk mm-hmm. about her, but, um, you know, I, I'm sure if I had asked as a you know ten year old, can I have that? They would have said yes. Please, we just happens to be in this closet. We don't. And and my dad and stepmom felt awful when they realized that I would have wanted it. They didn't. They didn't know I I had any attachment. Um, but it just somehow was like I didn't necessarily want to talk about about it. It's just too hard to talk about, especially when you're a child. Oh, exactly. And I also felt like it was okay to talk about some things, but not all things. Mm-hmm. Things are so different now than they were in the seventies, you know, mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, for, for me, I don't, I didn't even ask you how old you were, but like grow it. Did you grow up in the seventies? Um, I, I'm 57. So yes. Yeah. So yeah. we grew up around the same time. Yeah. So, um, so I'm 59. <laughs> and so uh, we grew up around the same time and, and, Today, you know, it, there's um, a much more understanding and openness around talking about death, mm-hmm. um, at least in the families that I've been familiar with who've had to deal with stuff. Um, yes. But there were, yeah. The, so I can just imagine you, you know, sneaking a little bit and not, 
not being completely comfortable talking about it. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, wow, that's so interesting. Um, Anyway, what was it like for you to get my note? Um, I was I was excited for you and your sister. Uh, and it really felt like, you know, I'd accomplished something meaningful because um, you you were so excited to, to receive it. And I know how I would have felt. And I would just it, you know, made my week or month to be able to connect you with it. And I was really afraid when I was writing, you, you know, it's it's hard to write to str- to strangers because. It, it wasn't spam. I'm not trying to, you know, get your bank account information. I don't, which is why it's like, don't even send me money for postage. I don't want any, you know, it's, I'm happy to pay the, the $4 and change um, just so people don't think I'm, you know, scamming in any sort of way. Meanwhile, um, I'm stalking you to be on my podcast to tell the story. <laughs> like, I hope she doesn't think I'm weird, but I was bursting and I had to tell the story. And I just thought, oh, my God, I hope she I really hope she doesn't think I'm weird. But it made so much more, it, it's so much more impactful to hear some of these details from you um, and especially how excited you were. And that's because kindness feels good, you know, and what you did was, was such an act of kindness. You know, I looked up the definition for kindness and it's the quality. Sorry, I'm a little, I need a drink of water. I'm a little emotional. <laughs> Okay, it's the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. And I even found new research that shows the ripple effect that one act of kindness can have on an entire uh, community, on your entire week, <laughs> and, and you know, it could impact you forever. But when we see someone being kind or generous, it gives us a warm glow feeling inside. That's how I felt. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was just blown away. And researchers actually call this moral elevation, and it not only feels good, but inspires us to want to do um, good things ourselves. So it's really inspiring. It feels good doing it. It feels good receiving kindness, and it really has this spinoff effect when you watch other people being kind. And I mean, telling the story to my friends and my family, when I called my sister, she almost passed out. Like the two of us are like, what? Who is this magical being who took the time to go through a box of cruddy little crap and to find our mom and to take the time to be persistent to track us down? You know, it just it just felt I I would feel like a loss if I had just thrown it out with the other the other mm-hmm. items that that were garbage because it wasn't garbage. It was it was special. And I, you know, at the time, I didn't know who, who I would be contacting, whether it be her, her child, some, you know, so that I was able to find you and that it was something that, that you can cherish is, it makes it even more meaningful Mm. to me. It's because it is so hard. I, another, you know, I I don't have that much with my mom's name on it. I had her driver's license and a few letters and I was moving after college and I lost that box, you know, and it's like, they were so precious that they were like, you know, in with the important papers and who knows what I did <laughs> somehow misplaced. And oh it's just, you know, it, and it's so disheartening. I did, you know, I have pictures and, and a f- very few memories cause you know, I was young, but, um, but something like that, like it really holding the bracelet 
It's like, this is meaningful. This can be meaningful for someone. If you had written back and said, no, I don't care. I would have <gasps> judged you. <laughs> I, I should have been judged. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is, that's too much. You know, as you're saying that we had an incident, oh, maybe 20 years ago. I don't remember when the Katrina hurricane was maybe 20 years ago. It was a while ago. Um, but we had a flood as a some storm that was related to Katrina. We weren't right in the line, but there was a lot of flooding going on at that time. And um, I was away when it happened. And when I came back into my house, I realized that the flood was actually in a crawl space. And we had a crawl space in a different house that was about nine inches sunken below the basement. So you crawled through this weird little door and down nine inches. And that's where this giant room was that I could stand up in. That's because I'm small, but most people couldn't stand up in it. But nine inches of water came in and went out. So the room looked like a tornado went through it. Everything floated and tipped. And all I thought about was what was in the back left-hand corner, which was, you know, old family photographs and that stamp collection that I mentioned. And I had like that memorabilia, those keepsakes were in two boxes in the back corner. And I just went, <gasps> and I like go like kind of crawling through the giant mess. <laughs> and I got to the back corner and they weren't touched. Oh, they amazing. didn't tip the water somehow. I don't know how it happened, but the boxes didn't tip. And that's when I realized even those plastic containers, they float and tip. Like I mm. thought, oh, they're going to be safe. They're not safe. <laughs> so, oh. so that was, it really felt like divine <laughs> intervention or something. But I know what you mean. There's, we really don't have much and we really don't remember much at that age. There aren't a lot of actual memories. Uh, and now there aren't a lot of people alive who, who knew our mothers. This is true. Very true. So it is really unusual being in this situation and, and a find like this is life. I feel like it's life changing. I'm so glad. And um, have you um, have you had a chance to fix the the chain yet? Um, that is, you know, the summer's kind of busy, but I just said to my husband today, he had an unexpected day off and I'm like, what are you going to do? And he said, you know, he didn't have any, he goes, I think I'll take a nap. <laughs> and I said, well, the first time I have a day off with nothing to do, I'm going straight to the jeweler. I've got a bracelet to repair. <laughs> yes, yes. So we decided we're going to have that one repaired and we'll have a duplicate made. So each of us will have, um, have it to wear. You know, we had these ideas to try to find the original jeweler. And I have a, a cousin who lives in Rhode Island and she grew up there. And I thought maybe she knows some of the original jewelers because I think my mother grew up in Providence. Um, she couldn't remember anything, but I, I don't know. I don't even know that that matters. Um, yeah. it's just interesting, but you're right. It looks, the chain looks dated. Like the chain is a little different and the clasp is very weak. Mm -hmm. yes. I don't think they make clasps like that anymore. Good thing. <laughs> so she would have been 15 in 1951. And that yeah. kind of threw me because I thought, well, maybe a sweet 16. And then your stepmother said they were common in high school. So I can't mm -hmm. figure out why she would have gotten that bracelet in June 1951, grade nine. Hmm. Yeah, I know. You wish you could learn more about 
the background of it? Was it, yeah, was it a birthday? Was it, you know, just something, was it a gift from, from her grandparent? Who knows? But it's, I know, according to my stepmom, they were, you know, very popular, very special, but they were, you know, a little bit expensive for yeah. the time. So it was a special gift. Exactly. And my cousin thought that maybe um, that their friends got their friends pitched in and they bought one for each other. Mm-hmm. For some reason, she thought that. I don't know if she heard somebody talk about it, but that's that's what she was thinking. But again, Sweet 16 would have made sense. Yeah. And that, it said June 51. So exactly. June. Hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know that. I can't figure out a way to figure it out. <laughs> I checked the yearbooks too to confirm the dates and yeah, I don't know. But you know, this story is so remarkable on so many levels. Like first, this bracelet was lost in the 50s. So if she received it in 51, I know that she lived in Rhode Island. I think it was till 1958 and then she moved to New York. So it okay. was lost in the 50s. Wow. Okay. Right? It yes. was found by your dad 40 or 50 years later. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. And then he kept stuff, which is also remarkable. If he's only looking for coins, there's no reason he had to keep all this other stuff. And sure. then you got the box a decade or two later. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then you didn't have to care about the box, but but you did. And you were, uh, you know, because you understood how important something like this would be because our our situation is so similar. And then you were persistent in finding me. I mean, so many times this little project could have gone off the rails. (laughs) (laughs) And then I was easy to find with Jeannie. I mean, I popped right up and that my mother's name, that she had the initial there, it made it easier to make it so obvious that it was hers and that that we actually connected. Like there's so many things that could have gotten in the way and not made this amazing. (laughs) That's true. And that you, you... I mean, perhaps it's how that site is set up, but that she had her own page, um, which, you know, I can imagine you not doing because, you know, it's it's sort of like people searching actively and she's not, obviously. So just that she had her own page with with the family tree on there led me to you. Wow, that's amazing. I think I think the picture I have of her on there is on the beach. Like, that's the other thing is that. What I've learned from my family members in Rhode Island, and now my sister lives there, is that the beach is such a part of Rhode Rhode Island culture. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's such a small state with so many beautiful beaches. And the very few pictures I have of my mom, she was on the beach. There is a picture there of her right on Narragansett Beach. Mm -hmm. My auntie told me exactly where that was taken. And it was was in the 50s. And so, I mean, it's just... it's unbelievable that that, you know, and that could be the spot. My dad definitely uh, combed the beaches um, because people lose a lot of things on the beach, <laughs> you know, you have your pockets, you put your things in your shoe and then, you know, you, you may not put everything back on when you when you're heading out. Um, and he would dig deep. He would dig down, you know, up to a foot. Sometimes wow. his detector was sensitive enough. He would detect um, things that were buried down there. So, it, you know, that it was buried under layers uh, for so many years. And, you know, Narragansett is definitely a spot where where it could have been. That's where my cousin Barbara thinks it was. Like, mm-hmm. as soon as she heard the whole story, she goes, "I," because she remembers her mother 
definitely telling stories from that beach. Mm-hmm. So I believe that's where it was. Yeah, that was the beach. My, I used to go with my aunt, my dad's sister. Um, and I am very fair skinned. And my aunt um, is is not. She's Italian. Um, and she would want to spend the whole day. And she was just tan and tan and tan. And I would be under the towels. Oh, well, this is back in the days <laughs> with the baby <laughs> oil. Say, and- <laughs> because you have to reapply the sunblock for her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but at Narragans- yeah, Narragansett Beach is a place that I spent a lot of my childhood too. Um, it's beautiful. Um, and so, so I'm, I was so happy to find you. And I do want to mention that among the, uh, the other trinkets in that box, there was a second ID bracelet. Unbelievable. Tell me more. Well, it was very similar, except it was um, maybe it was brass or maybe the silver plate had worn off or there's an off chance it was uh, gold. I couldn't tell because the marking that would have said what kind of metal it was was kind of uh, scratched up. Um, it had a, a first name and a, a last name of a woman it had, of a child at the time, a teenager. And on the back, it had a, a location, a town in New York or a farm in New York. Um, and it was found in Rhode Island. And so I, I did another search <laughs> and she was also easy to find. The only one kind of an unusual name. And it turned out she had passed away just a few years ago. So unfortunately, oh. I did get it. I did not get it to her, but I saw that her husband was alive and she had several children. So her husband was a screenwriter and was so that's, you know, semi-famous. So it was not easy to find any contact information for him. I did find a P.O. box eventually in Maine, um, but I couldn't find any of her children online, you know, an easy way to connect like we were able to connect. Hmm. And her husband, who is still alive, is 89 and I did not see any sort of way to email him. So I wrote him a good old fashioned letter with a picture of the bracelet, both sides. And, you know, the story of how my dad was out looking for coins and he found it. And would you or your children or grandchildren have any interest? And then a few days later, I got a phone call from his daughter who is helping him out with mail and bills and whatnot. And she was as excited as you to receive it. Um, she said, I don't remember my mother ever wearing bracelets. So it's amazing uh, you found this. And, you know, and it, it connected. It connected to where she spent time at her grandparents in Rhode Island and the, the location in New York when she was a child. They'd spend summers there. And equally, her daughter was thrilled to get it. And it was in a little bit better shape. The, both of the sides of the chain were still there. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> you could actually wear it. And um, so she, she passed it on to her niece and her niece is is wearing it. So I, you know, just two for two. <laughs> Unbelievable. There's Lisa peddling bracelets. There I am. There I am. That's all I got, though. So if you're missing one, I don't have any more. Uh- <laughs> well, your dad had to leave a couple in Rhode Island for other people to find. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> wow. So what's come up for you? This is a very powerful experience. I mean, you've had two hits on these bracelets. Mm-hmm. You brought women to tears all over the place. And I I like I I was just on a high from this experience. I'm still on a high. And uh it just brought up so much for me about the power of kindness and 
And this idea that you just never know what might happen in life. You know, I did a podcast uh, recently talking about major surprises in midlife. And I said, you know, I, I've had five huge surprises since I turned 50. And I told four of them, but I said, I'm, I'm holding out on the fifth one because it's the biggest surprise ever that I didn't think would ever happen <laughs> in a million gazillion years. And, and that is this one. But I have been surprised um, by lots of things in my 50s. Um, and just th- also this idea of the importance of keeping loved ones' memories alive. And that even though so much time passed, that you found this and it's given us an opportunity to reflect and to love and to get excited and to um, just feel just so exciting. Yes. And, you know, I have to say there are, you know, positives and negatives to the internet, but just making connections with people is so much easier. Mm. I mean, if, if I had, if my father had handed this bracelet over to me when he had found it in the, 80s or 90s and said, you know, here, I wouldn't even know where to begin to find her. So it's just different now. It just really, um, we're able to to reach out and connect to people. So I feel like that's part of it is that I, you know, I had to wait this long for for the bracelet to get back to you. (laughs) Just wouldn't have been possible if I tried this 20, 30 years ago. You're Um, right. It was so easy. But like I said, I, it, it never occurred to me that genie mm, would yeah. be searchable like that. Um, I had not even heard of genie before, actually. So <laughs> when she came out, I'm like, what is this site? And then, you know, now I know about it. But um, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. So what's next for you with your trinkets and your tracking down people and changing lives, spreading your goodness? And- well, I, at this moment, I don't feel like I have any more trinkets to, to track down. No, nothing else had a full name on it. So Betty, uh, Betty Joe from 1969. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was a locket. Um, but <laughs> you can enjoy that one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm just continuing to go through, you know, the things my dad left, um, which is all also important to him. So I'm trying to feel how important it is to him as I go through and, and respect, you know, his collection. He, he wanted my children to have it. He's hoping they, they would have the same interest in coins. They they're in their twenties. They don't seem to, but you know, I'm saving it for them. Um, yeah. Not the trinkets, but the, the, the coins. For what him. about the metal detectors? You know, I got those too. by the time I got them the two we had left were in classic shape for my dad there was a lot of the uh, electrical tape holding parts together and you know things are like rigged there you know it's like MacGyvered and um I ended up giving away one I sold one was in decent shape but then another I'm like this is like for parts anyone and somebody took it of course again um, if someone can figure out what works and what doesn't uh, have at it. So I, I did not hold on to those because I, I don't even know how to begin to use or read the little, the dials and the, there were so many gadgets associated. Um, mm. But, um, you know, but the, the fruit of it all was the coin 
the coin collection. And that's what really mattered to him. And so that's what I'm holding on to. Oh my God. I love that. You know, one of the things that comes up all the time is a main theme on this podcast and with women in the middle is the importance of connecting with your passion. And, Mm -hmm. you know, your dad sounds like such a character. I (laughs) love that he went all in on this passion with his fancy boxes and labeling. And he was so serious about it and he got so much pleasure out of it, out of the hunt, you know, and he even, even though he didn't care so much about the trinkets, he still treated them with respect and saved Mm -hmm. them. He did. And he did keep kind of keep notes on if he found a good place for coins, go back, visit this, this spot, a lot of good finds there, but not for the, not for anything else, which is why I don't know exactly where uh, your mom's bracelet was found, although I think Narragansett. It's Narragansett. <laughs> uh, really, really, yeah. You'd have to convince me otherwise because it sounds right. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> amazing, lot. amazing. Well, I it's been an absolute delight uh, to meet you today and to hear the details of the story. And just thank you so much for being you. Oh. You really, you really made a difference. Well, thank you for having me. And I'm. it's really great to meet you and see you. And um, enjoy it. I'm so glad that you and your sister have it. Oh, sorry, I'm getting a little choked up again, but this was a biggie. It is really unexpected and beautiful. Thank you so much, Lisa. All the best. All the best to you too. Bye-bye, Susie. Okay, that is it for this episode. Can you believe this story? I still tear up every time I think of it. Honestly, it was hard for me to get through my chat with Lisa as well. She's so sweet and so patient, and you may have heard me choke up just a little bit. I was a mess before she hopped on my Zoom. (laughs) Anyway, I really want you to think about this story. When you get down on yourself about aging, remember that bracelet. It was lost under the sand for over 40 years until it was found. Then it sat in a bin of other little found treasures for another 30 years or so until it was found by Lisa, who took the initiative to find me. The odds of this happening? (laughs) I can't even imagine. It seems so freaking unlikely. Yet it happened. I started that family tree on the website Genie in the early 90s. And as I mentioned, for most of my life, I've been collecting information about both of my parents, actually. This curiosity and commitment that I had early on to set up a family tree and invite other family members to contribute way back then is what did the trick. That was the way that she found me, and that was 30 years ago. You just never know what might happen in your life, even when you're older, even when you think you're running out of time, even when you think all of the really good stuff happened already. You never know when a huge and meaningful surprise is just around the corner. Okay, as you know, my focus as your midlife coach is to help you get unstuck, clear, and excited about your life again. If you want to finally focus on getting unstuck and finally deal with improving important parts of your life that aren't as amazing as they could be, (laughs) like maybe your career, your empty nest, taking care of yourself, your personal goals, that sort of thing, there's no better mechanism, no better way when you know there's more out there for you and that you're wasting valuable time than to move forward with a community of women just like you. I would love to be able to help you get unstuck and move forward already. I want to invite you to check out the Women in the Middle Academy. It's a six-month coaching program where you get all the support you need to get unstuck and clear about what you want in your next chapter so that you don't have regrets. 
Listening to the podcast is just the beginning. Applying these concepts to your life is quite another. Don't waste another second feeling stuck. Book your momentum call and we will have a quick chat. Head over to www.womeninthemiddleacademy.com. For show notes and links, head over to www.susierosenstein.com and click the podcast tab and look for episode 267. Thanks so much for listening. It's time for you to put yourself first one thought at a time. I'm Susie Rosenstein, and I'll talk to you next week. Okay.